Wheel, Kipper, and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. The holiday edition on the Real Kipper and Bourne show. Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne in for the multi-talented Sammy McKee. Tristan Marcajani. Nailed the pronunciation. Nailed it. Well, I had it like, I, I had him spell it out. Like, <laughs> how, like how to say it? And every last syllable. <laughs> That's great. All good here. Multi-talented for Sammy in this case is drinking funky monkeys, daiquiris, tequilas. And if you're not Sammy on a beach or on, what, the 15th hole, you are listening somewhere on our Sportsnet now. Sportsnet 590, the fan. iTunes, Spotify, we're glad you're aboard as the Toronto Maple Leafs get set to take on the Arizona Coyotes. Their first visit. To the mullet. <laughs> the mullet arena. The mullet arena. What an honor. Are we going to see some of those uh, wigs tonight? Oh, yeah. Luke Fox in the building. I saw his front row seats. There's leather front row seats for the uh, for media, I guess. I don't know. I got to think with the Leafs down there, it's going to be a rambunctious sold out. Yeah, I read it's 190 bucks is the cheapest ticket, U.S. Predominantly... Uh, we should get that 50-50, if not more, for the Leaf. There's got to be Leaf fans down there tonight. Oh, and, God, yeah. And heavy. Yeah. Well, when I, I lived in Arizona for three years, and I had a friend who lived in Calgary, and he would fly to the games in Arizona and watch with me because it was cheaper than going to Flames games. He could hop on a flight then, get come down, get a, a you know amazing ticket on the glass for 150 bucks. And, yeah, he had a good experience in Arizona. So, yes, people are flying down. They're there. Lots of Leafs fans tonight. A lot of Leafs fans. And uh, I guess uh, a feeling like this one should be one of those where a guy like Austin Matthews goes home. He's already had some good success against Arizona. Three goals, four points. And maybe those aren't great numbers. Yeah, How many games? Impressive. Five? Tristan, how many games has he played career against Arizona? Because I'm going to throw something out to you, JB. Well, this is in Arizona, those stats. Five games. He's played five games. So that's just in Arizona. Yeah. Okay. You, you got to imagine, Matthews has got some buddies there, girlfriend or two. When, so, here's what I don't know. When did they fly in? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the important. Was it legal? So I had heard that it was, I think, the the... the the majority of the push came from the players to get in there early, which is oh, kind sure. of if you got kind of strange back. because the players have this rule where they they don't want that. So it was negotiated on behalf of the players. I'm sure this thing in the CBA that mm-hmm. don't travel, right? Right. We want to spend more time with our families, and here, you, whether the le- whether the plane was at nine or ten p.m. whatever. Like if I'm on it or if we're there and let's it's go. not, let's go, let's go. And the players apparently pushed hard to get in there as early as possible to prepare themselves, which in itself is the right message, is it not? Like it that's is. what you want to hear from the players. But it also stems from the Leafs and from other teams, presumably, pushing the legal limit of that negotiation to the limit, right? Saying, okay, we can't leave till the 27th. Well, we're leaving at midnight. 
at that point, you've already said to the players that they have to travel on the 26th because call it the 27th. It's still the 26th. You know what I mean? Like they, the Leafs have basically decided for the guys that they have to travel the day before the game. So if you're, if you have to be there and you have to fly, why am I getting in at two in the morning? Let's just go. So, you know, I put some blame on the Leafs. I understand why the league is finding them, trying to protect the players' rights a little bit for the future. But, yeah, I'm with you. I get why the players will say, let's just go. And as we discussed yesterday when we found out the news that they were being fined $100,000, there, there is still that one kind of thought that said, hey, just the price of doing business. I do wonder. I, here's what I think happened. I think they thought if we get caught, we can afford it. But we probably won't get caught. I bet lots of teams do it. Is that possible that it's like a common thing that teams do it? And they said, ah, you know, we're not going to get singled out. They got singled out. So, and yeah, to their point, whatever. Always looking for ways to use their financial might because the salary cap doesn't allow them to. So, hey, they got, they got the win in OT. Maybe it was the difference maker. It was an extra little bit of sleep roll, Willie Nylander. Okay, so they play... In a minor league facility against an organization that is doing everything in their, I guess, power to stay relevant, look relevant. The Coyotes? Yes. This is them being relevant in a college rink? I'm, I'm saying the organization. For, yeah. yeah. I'm okay. just saying. I know, I know. To play every night about this. in the National Hockey League and look like you're... Uh, a professional NHL team right. is been challenging over the many years. Mm-hmm. But they just, it, it's not even the building for me. It's that they just so actively don't want to win. But teams have tanked before. Okay. It's the combination of tanking and the arena. Which leads me to my next question to okay. you. Okay. All right. The Leafs' career record of playing a team from the desert. Mm-hmm. I've got it at 105 games okay. since being in the desert. Mm-hmm. What is the career record of the Toronto Maple Leafs versus Phoenix slash Arizona Coyotes? Well, I, I know that the Coyote, or sorry, the Leafs were not very good for some of these years. Okay. And you wouldn't be asking me if it, the Leafs were like 80 and 25. <laughs> so I'm going to say they're pretty close to 50-50 here. How about, how about their 55 and, what did you say, 55 and 50? All right. How'd I do? Uh, drum roll, please. Uh, no drum roll. Clark we're, on holi- we're, on, we're on the holiday edition yeah. here. There's no <laughs> drum rolls. Barely me and you right now. Yeah. 39, 55, 8 and 3. Nice. 8 OT, 3 in a shootout, but 39 and 55 against a team that we've seen in the playoffs like once in. Yeah, the, the team's been around 20 years and how tried many to years? tank six times. What, what, what is going on here? That 39 they, wins and 105 39 tries. 39 wins against the Coyotes. Way to go, Leafs. Okay, we got to fix that. They need to go on a little run here. So what do you think it is? They get down to the desert, get a little sunshine in the winter, and they prioritize playing at Wico Paw and Greyhawk down there? I, I got, a, I got a, a snippet of your New York Islanders owning the Rangers mm-hmm. up until I think our, our 
last game of the regular season in 94. Yeah. But there's just some teams that you just, from from era to era, too, it's not like, mm-hmm. you know, it's just 20 guys that have issues here. It stretches out over a long period of time. Guys in, yeah. guys out. And yet you still can't find a way to beat certain teams. I, you know I who don't would know, know best about this? Shane Doan. Shane Doan, who, by the way, is going to join you well, and me. you know what? Uh, he, now, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're on we a, thought we had Brett Hall yesterday, We're too. on a bit of a roll here. But yeah. Shane Doan's uh, Canada team had lost today uh, in the uh, Spangler Cup. Okay. So they're, they went 0 for 3. Oh. So I'm not sure if we can. Tr- we're going to try to track him down. And we'll see if we can, if we would find them. Are you going to leave me alone again? And it's just me <laughs> trying to fill air without Shane Doan? Yeah. So we will, uh, we'll try to track down Shane Doan right. and see if he wants to join us. And, uh, you know, if he does, great. If he doesn't, we, we understand, I think. Of course. You know who will jo- join us for sure? Jim Ralph. Ralphie, of course. Leaf Radio Network color analyst and a very good friend of the show. And also, we will track down. Much like Shane Doe and Brett Hall, Gord Stellick, mm-hmm. who's most often reliable, but we don't know if there's, you know, a visit to Pioneer Village or the, uh, you know, the dog <laughs> pound. I don't know. As we're talking about this, it occurs to me that the, the true elite friends of the show, like Jim Ralph and Gord Stellick, we need Sportsnet to like give us a a gift budget so we can buy them something for joining us so often, and they need like a special class. We have to put plaques up in here, the Gord Stellick Studio or something, Jim Ralph Room. They deserve some love. I They've like been it. Wonderful to like us. a green room. Yeah, this is but named but the after Stelic, their wonderfulness. Stellick, uh, electricity green room. That's right. Let's okay. We talked earlier about what kind of feel the Mullet Arena will have with the Toronto Maple Leafs in there. Tonight, let's get Sheldon Keefe's thoughts on what he thinks will present tonight. It's different, uh, but I think it's going to be, it's a little more intimate, of course, and should make for a little more, a little more intensity to the whole thing. It'll be interesting to see how many Leaf fans are here tonight um, and, and what that might do for the atmosphere. But I think... As I've said, since we've come back from the break here, there's a general excitement and great spirit about our group. Uh, you can tell that even just a short break has uh, rejuvenated them, but also, um, as you can hear right now, they just like being around each other. So getting back together is great. And then you come here, you know, in Arizona, and it's, of course it's Austin's hometown, and there's some excitement uh, for him, and then as a result, our team around that too. So all that... Uh, is presence, of course, but pucks is going to drop, and you got to compete. That's really what it comes down to. I'm excited about that. Yes, let's see if he can save 25 grand for the uh, the Leaf organization tonight after the game. I know. Did you? I mean, you obviously did see it, but he was hot, huh? Like I went by, back and watched that. Yeah, I've seen worse, though. You, we've yeah, all seen worse, for sure. For sure. So, do you think that's like a related to everyone's watching the Leafs all the time? All eyes on Leafs. I think it does make it uh, more challenging for the organization, for sure. Yeah, and let's not forget, can't the, sneak one by him. There is a, uh, there's two offices in the National Hockey League. One is, of course, uh, Gary Bettman's home in New York City, mm-hmm. and then the other one's uh, above their their roof at the Scotiabank Arena. Do they hate Toronto? Do you think like 
there's an arrogance. There's a lot of attention around it. There's no, all that with no, Toronto. No, 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 no. It's like hate's a strong word. <laughs> okay, but it's, <laughs> no. but it's on the spectrum of dislike, maybe. No, I no, I I do believe they they try to be as fair as possible, and yeah, I think we're I do at the believe point they don't want Toronto to get away with anything. Anything extra. I think what the the challenge is, I think what the challenge is, to be honest with you, is that uh, uh, two two equal incidents, one in Florida or Arizona tonight Mm -hmm. outside of playing against the Leafs, it just doesn't draw a ton of attention. Right. And then anything that involves with the Leafs is magnified times a thousand, mm-hmm. and that in itself, then you then then it's the uh, be very careful about the message that you're being sent because one will not be as scrutinized as the other. Yeah, and, and you're, that you're changes right. that that's 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 the challenge. Yeah, you can't let it go unpunished when it's the Leafs because you know more people noticed it, right? And the first thing that comes back to them would be, oh, okay, it's the Leafs. Yeah. Which is, again, unfair, if you ask me. Yeah. Like, do they really care at the end of the day? They're paid to do a job, you know, and, and yeah. they're going to get paid the same no matter whether the Leafs are successful or, or not or anybody else. Yeah. Now, or could there be other factors that come in to say uh, it would be a good thing if the Leafs won a Stanley Cup, right? Right. It would undeniably be, be a good thing for the NHL thing. and hockey. Yes. For sure. Yeah. Uh, historic uh, franchise, longest drought, is it not now? In the NHL? Yeah. I mean, outside of the teams who've never won them. Like yeah, the that's Louis right. Or oh, uh, original six sorry, teams. got it done. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> yes. I, I agree with that. Everybody's had some sort of modern type of Stanley Cup in the original six, except uh, one we remember in black and white. (laughs) Right, for sure. Hey, do you think MLSE would be mad at Dubas for that fine? Do you think they'd be like, you know, hey. No. No? No. Like that's what a a waste, $100,000, man. No. No? Just the price (laughs) of doing business. Someone just e-transfers it like if it's a fantasy football league or something? Yeah. 100K. What I will tell, what what I will say to you, most often, Often when we hear of a coach being fined and we could look at an incident and I didn't think again, it was crazy about, you know, he's pretty mad though. He was mad and he came, he, he, he went pretty hard at the officials, but that's not what the $25,000 is for. It is probably what was behind that moment mm-hmm. that we don't hear about or know about. And there, there could have been a file on him that didn't make, you know, make it out to the public from previous, previous. incidents. Yeah. And usually, when you see someone get fined, it's either accumulation. a coach, it's an accumulation. Yeah. It's I've, we've had enough of this. Yeah. Hey, bud. And to- Tortorella is like the king at that. Yeah. Where how many times? Like you, you don't. There's no press releases for most warnings or a Such phone a call yeah. or. Uh, Somebody said something to somebody. For the we're sick of your act. We got, you got to calm down a little bit. Yeah. You know, our, our officials are getting tired of it. I was just surprised that Keith could muster up that much anger and energy in game 36 of the season. You know, like I understand he's just a competitive guy. You know, not, uh, 
right? To take it lightly. Well, Ron, do you want to so just uh, you know, and just one other thing is yeah, yes, like yes. it's still Sheldon. It's not Daryl Sutter. Like think about Daryl and just his comment. Remember two weeks ago in the Toronto media lost. Yes. To, remember that one? Yes, what did I do. He, what did he insinuate? He that Toronto gets the calls. He's like, I'm not saying it, but, you know, I just know when I used to play in Toronto, you know, I'm not saying it, but it's, like, it's Toronto. You're, saying you're, it. you're getting the calls because you're right. Toronto. Right. Uh, is that, is that a finable? Is that, you know, why it should be finable because it's stupid. It's stupid. The but, Leafs have but been a, but, it, but it's Daryl. It ain't Sheldon. I know the Leafs are like the least pen or sorry. One of the most penalized teams are on the wrong side of the penalty differential for years now. So that's why I say it's stupid. Um, you know, did you want to hear from Marner on Mullet Arena and Matthews returning? Absolutely. Right. Let her rip. Yeah, it was cool. Um, it was great to be in here yesterday skating and kind of see that vibe, what it's going to be like. So, um, I'm sure this barn would be rocking. It's always rocking when 34 comes back to this town and, um, it's always a fun game. Um, but, uh, we got to take this very seriously. This team's been rolling over there and, um, you know, they've won some very, uh, they've won some games against some very good opponents. So. Um, they've taken a lot of points from us in the last couple of years and this year in general. So um, we got to make sure uh, we come back to get those. Well, he should know. They, they, he, Mitch and the boys lost to them earlier in the season. Yeah. They've beaten Boston, if I'm not mistaken, most recently Colorado. Boston, Colorado, the Leafs. Yeah, they've beaten good. They're scrappy, this team, this Arizona team. I mean, God forbid they get Connor Bedard. I want them to win just so Bedard doesn't end up there and I don't have to turn on the college bowl to watch Connor Bedard play <laughs> hockey for the next few years. Hey, just a question. When are we going to discuss your uh, nine bold make these oh, predictions? Yes. Article? What, uh, what part of the show is that happening? I, uh, we're going to probably do that. Uh, back end. Yeah. Back end. Okay. Back end. Uh, JB speaks of a uh, column. I write every week for the Toronto star. Check it out. Uh, I've got it on real Kipper on my Twitter feed. And basically what I'm touching on is uh, closing out uh, 2022 and a few bold predictions on the Toronto Maple Leafs and a few around the league. So we'll, we'll get into that a little later on in the show. How's yeah, that? You flopped them on the table a little bit, if I may say. This I did. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> I, I did say bold. Yeah. And you know, it will come back the well, rest of my life. You know, everyone on, can on stuff where it. I'll miss. Everyone can stuff it on that. I, you know, I still, I tweeted this out there and someone's like, yeah, once Kipper thought that they should trade Nylander for Richie and Montour. Shut up. Okay, like, but you know what they failed to mention? It was, that was like seven years ago. Yeah, and like some developmental paths <laughs> changed a little bit. And not to mention, do this for, how long are you doing it, 22 years or something? Uh, at least. Yeah, do this for 22 years and fill two hours That's a day and okay. make some predictions. No, You're no. going to have a couple that uh, that don't hit. It's all good. I've got a few per day. There's a There's a few lazy ones out there. I'm okay with them. Well, reaching out every I'm once not in a while. You or I get it but right all the time. Listen, it's just obnoxious. Just, it was a fun piece on where we think uh, this thing's headed, and uh, and we'll get into it uh, a little later on in the show. We also got Jim Ralph who's uh, going to tee up uh, the game tonight in Arizona. Morgan Riley's back. Morgan Riley's back. You want to get uh, Sheldon's thoughts on Morgan Riley coming back? Let's squeeze it in. Yeah, it's a quick one. Oh, uh, Tristan is on the phone. <laughs> Sammy, <laughs> Sammy. Play the clip. Um, yeah, this is a quick clip. Is know. it better for Morgan missing 15 games and coming back 
on a game like this in a non NHL environment, or would you rather him yeah. come in and uh, go up against Colorado? <laughs> Yeah, no, it's AHL and a half, you know, in, in terms of field, mid-season, Arizona, it's a little bit different. So, um, yeah, here's a, here we'll have Sheldon Keefe on, the, uh, on Riley coming back. No message, really, uh, other than, you know, just be excited to go out and play. He's a veteran player. He's played a long time. Uh, he doesn't need to, to be spoken to too much. All right, we got Ralphie. Jimmy Ralph, are you there? I'm here, Kip. I would have bet you weren't with the last couple of days that uh, JB and I have, JB and I have had. My <laughs> guess is that you wouldn't have been there. This is like a bonus right now. What How a are treat! You? Yeah. <laughs> hey, by the way, whenever I came back from injury, it was always in a non NHL atmosphere. That's <laughs> <laughs> my career as well. <laughs> uh, you don't. You don't need a an NHL facility to call your world-class game tonight, do you? Um, I'm going to plead the fifth. (laughs) (laughs) I I got a chance to play in a few barns just like the Mullet Arena uh, when San Jose first came in. I think it it was the Cow Palace. Ralphie, you remember that one? Uh, Tampa Bay, I think, played in a... I don't know, an amusement park or, or something. We all played in junior, right? too. Thunderdome or something. I don't know. It was actually kind of really strange. But yeah. once the puck drops, uh, hey, a game's a game, right? Yeah. The only thing you wonder, and it, it's hard telling from uh, from watching highlights on TV, if the, if the lighting is NHL standard. It looks a little dark and some shadows mm-hmm. in it. So that, that could be, you know, one thing that you would look at, like from a goaltender standpoint, where it might be a little more of a challenge, you know, because, you know, like even back in junior, you'd have certain ranks you'd play in that were just dark, you know, and uh, so that might be the big thing. You know, most places have um, pretty well lit for the TV lights. You just wonder what the lighting is like there for, um, you know, what's supposed to be a college team. So much like the goaltending situation where the Leafs not only weathered uh, early injuries to their netminders, they, they've really weathered this one with, no Morgan Riley. And, but I think it's caught up to them a little bit and maybe a few good chances by St. Louis has really made you feel like, uh, yeah, this is a good time to get Morgan Riley. That's enough. Yeah. 12, two and one is pretty good without them. Though, wasn't it? <laughs> you know, no you, you go in a pretty good role there and it's, um, yeah, I, I think they've been able to plug and play, you know, a lot of guys and I'm, and, you know, I hate using the uh, the old cliche, the system, but it seems like everybody they brought in is just, you know, meshed in well with the system. And, and I would say even with the, the gold against lately, Samsonov is, um, we've seen a dip in his play the last two or three games. You know, the game in Washington, he had an off night, um, gave up a couple of, you know, five-hole along the ice goals against Philly. And then there were, uh, there were some moments, I thought, in the St. Louis game that, he looked, looked like those uh, soccer goalies in the World Cup final on the penalty kicks, you know. <laughs> I don't know if he's guessing right on this one. Yeah. You know, they were uh, they were able to survive it. So I, I put that down to, you know, being over able to overcome. You know, the goaltenders have been so good for them. I think it was just a, a matter of, uh, you know, the offense bailing their goalie out. 
Ralphie, you've you know played a, a long career and you've been covering the game for a long time, and there, you're well aware that there are some ebbs and flows in the season. You know, you start the season, everyone comes out gun, gun, guns a blazing, but making mistakes. Where are we on the NHL calendar in terms of pace and energy coming out of Christmas break? What, what kind of a hockey do you expect for the next little bit? Um, you would think that it would tighten up, Barney. That uh, you know the high scoring games you saw in the you know pre Christmas time. Um, but I'm, I'm not so sure, <laughs> you know, even watching the, uh, yeah. the St. Louis Toronto game that, um, you know, I think it's uh, the highest goals per game, I think since the early nineties, um, that the NHL is at right now. Right. So I think, I mean, my suggestion is to make the goalie equipment bigger. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks Ralph. We appreciate your input. It does come full <laughs> circle, doesn't it? <laughs> but it's, uh, yeah, I, I just have a feeling that it's, uh, we're uh, we're sort of embarking on a, you know, the high scoring eighties, nineties, two point because it uh, seems that every night there's, you know, guy, I think guys are so skilled now, uh, you know, even the so called average players are given an odd man rush. Uh, chances are it's going to be in the back of the net. So we were just talking about uh, for whatever reason, man, the Leafs, their overall record against Arizona or Phoenix has been. Short of atrocious, <laughs> you know, we're, we're talking 39, 55, 8, and 3. 39 and 55. Like, how do you explain that on a team that we haven't seen too often in the playoffs the last decade? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the, the games they've had. I think the game last year, they were, uh, it, it was closest. Bamelko was great in goal again. I think Matthews tied it early in the third and, um, Arizona scored on a, uh, a backdoor tap, and I think Keith was a little critical on Peter Morazic on that. But it uh, it just seems that even the game they had at home against Arizona early in the season, uh, they just seemed to come out flat. And uh, now the good news is, I think since the start of the sixteen seventeen season, the only team they had a worse winning percentage against was St. Louis. So, so maybe <laughs> this is the the turnaround road trip for them to to come out, and you know it'd be nice to see them. You know, get out with a four-five-one win and, and dominate, start to finish. And, and finish. But um, I think Arizona's out. It almost looks like they're going to use this uh, this Mullet Arena, like Fenway Park. You know, it's it's a little uh, different uh, than all the other stadiums, and they might find themselves being pretty comfortable in it. Yeah, I think they've a six and three record at home so far this season. They've had some success there. You know, you mentioned the lighting is going to be a little bit different. I anticipate a lot of Leafs fans, like, you know, you've been to many games at this arena. Is it typically a place where they get, you know, sort of 50%? Well, what is the fan attendance like in Arizona generally? Um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of hit and miss. I think, you know, anytime you're, you're around the holidays, you'll get uh, better attendance. But um, I think just uh, reading something that was sent out, the, the ticket prices have more than doubled, uh, and, you know, for obvious reasons. Uh, but it looks like it's packed every night. So, um, yeah, I mean, and then we, you know, sometimes you do games in there where they'll announce twelve thousand. You're thinking, ah, I don't think so. Right. You know, I'm, I didn't sit up there and count, but you're going, <laughs> and it goes to five. So. Yeah. Ralphie, with the addition of Morgan Riley, it looks like uh, the Leafs will be able to kind of stabilize their blue line finally. And yet, on the other side, we see a guy like Jacob Chikrin, who's got to be at the top of the list for a uh, top two top three kind of defensemen available. Uh, where are you on this blue line and how advanced have they gotten since that 
horrific road trip in California for for Dubis to start thinking about what kind of pieces he wants between now and the trade deadline and uh could perhaps a game like tonight be a bit of a a showcase for Jacob Chikrin. Yeah, I'm not sure, Kip. I mean, on, on one side, you look at it and you say they're, they're with the second best goals against in the league. You know, even though their goal scoring's down, mm-hmm. so it's it's probably. I, I would say, if a trade is made, it's for more character than it is an upgrade and a huge upgrade in skill. You know, and and Chikrin does bring that. You know, a bit of a chip on his shoulder can play a little more physical, and um, you know, still has the offensive side. So that's what you love about him. Um, so you might, you know, if you want to make comparisons to, say, Lilligren or Rasmus Sandin, you're saying, well, you know, offensively, he might not handle the puck quite as well, but, um, you know, there, there could be a, a meaner streak. Now, saying that, he's, he's almost a point-of-game guy since coming back. So I think it might have more to do with, uh, uh, I, I don't want to say an upgrade in character, because that's demeaning to, to the guys that they have that have done so well. But uh, that other element, and I, and I think that's why they made the Dryden Hunt trade. How do you, you know? feel? Yeah, 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 that makes sense. Sorry, go ahead. Oh no, that's it. I was pretty much done. I was just scrambling, <laughs> <laughs> stepping all over you. Sorry. Um, I was going to uh, just ask generally about this Coyotes team or, and how you feel about rebuilds and what the right way to do it is. You know, I, I personally, I'll just to give you my take. I don't know that you can tear it all the way down to the studs and then quickly turn things around. I feel like the young guys need some quality players around them to learn from, to put you in hockey games that matter. You know, I saw someone saying that the the Canadian should trade Joel Edmondson. I was like, what? Then what? You know, they got five rookies back there right now. How do you feel about the Coyotes and what they're doing um, in terms of trying to get things turned around for, I don't know, 2027? Yeah, well, I tell you, when... Uh you know, Chicago doing the same thing, and you're saying, well, let's get rid of DeBrinkett and Kirby Doc. And you're going, okay. Don't you need someone? Build. <laughs> you know, so that that was the one that caught me off guard. Although I remember the Rangers. Remember they sent the letter out, the season ticket holders? Oh, yeah. Saying, you know, sent this is a rebuild, and all of a sudden you go and get Panarin in the, <laughs> as a free agent, and you're right back, you know. Yeah. So they, uh, they probably did it quicker than anybody. But you're right, they had that. They still had a core there of, uh, of veteran guys, so yeah, I'm I'm, I'm big on that. That uh, you know, you have to have some pieces there to build around, and um, you know, the teams have gone different ways of doing it. But when when you see teams go ten, twelve years, um, that means one theory after another hasn't been working for you. We're talking to Jim Ralph, the voice of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Ralphie, you had mentioned uh, uh, Dryden Hunt. Uh, we expect him to be in the lineup tonight, don't we, uh, JB? Yep. Uh, for for Anderson, uh, is is this the missing piece here to take the the fourth line to another level? Is this just another uh, uh, version of Aston Reese here? Where are you on uh, the bottom six, particularly uh, the fourth line? Uh, well, I'll tell you, the third line I think has been fantastic uh, lately. Engvall. Uh... Who else we got on there? Kerfoot yeah. Camp. and uh, David Gant. Yep, uh, I, I think they've been outstanding both ends of the ice. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I think you want guys that play a little heavier, a little tougher, and even if they're not going to score, um, you know, Holmberg I think is is really been a nice fit uh, getting in on the fourth line. But uh, you know, we'll see what kind of chemistry they have. You know, if, uh, if they can dump and chase and bang around and. 
trying to be the setup guys for when the, the big boys come over the boards after that. But yeah, I, I, I mean, I think uh, with all due respect to Dennis Melvin, um, even though he was playing with Nylander or uh, pardon me, Tavares and, uh, and Marner before he got traded, um, we saw him in the fourth line and you're kind of going, I, I don't know if that works. You right. know, once you get into the postseason, you need a little more size and a little more uh, physicality and, um, at least Dryden Hunt's going to get an opportunity to prove he's a guy for him. What are your thoughts on Matt Murray not getting the start coming off a four-day break? I was surprised. And then I was starting to think, is, that, is there some concern about the groin that you want to give him more practice time to ease him right. into it? Because, like I said, for, with uh, Samson, if I, you know, you sort of started to see some cracks in the game, in his game. Um, and now he's played three out of the last four, which is... I found a little odd because Murray was so good against Tampa when uh, when he got his last start. Yeah, I think was it Luke Fox who suggested that maybe uh, Samsonov had maybe said something about wanting more games. Was that our problem, yeah, yeah. Ralphie? We just didn't tell the coaches we wanted to play more. <laughs> oh no, no, I I mentioned it quite often. <laughs> <laughs> they just didn't listen to us. Oh, oh yeah. And then I think uh, one team I just left in the middle of the year, and it was two months before they found out that I wasn't there. So, yeah, that did, that wasn't, wasn't exactly a surefire oh. measure to get more ice time. All kidding I mean, aside, though. So if, he, if he can turn around and, and say he wants more games and he gets it, um, good on him. You know? do, do you foresee this back half of the season coming up as, as a split or – do you think Matt Murray would say, hold on for a second, I haven't shown enough that I, I should get three out of four starts here? Uh, well, I, I mean, let's face it. I, you know, in, in your mind, Murray's got to be the guy going in. And my concern was is going to be that if you want to split them, you know, pretty much even down the middle for the rest of the season, that's great. Then how's the guy going to hold up when you're going to play every second night in the playoffs? You know, I, I still think you've got to sort of acclimate your body uh, to playing a lot over a period of time. And, you know, all of a sudden in, you know, game four of a playoff series where you're playing every second night, uh, the guy's hurt because he's, you know, not quite in that groove. So um, I, I would like to see probably, a, you know, a two-to-one split uh, in favor of Matt Murray and, uh, you know, get him sharp but, but get his body ready for the hopefully what's going to be a long grind through the playoffs. You know, playing Arizona tonight, I can't help but think of their purpose in the season is obviously a high pick. Did you happen to watch any of the World Juniors uh, in terms of seeing Connor Bedard seven points last night? Yeah, he's he's pretty good. Got a future, huh? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. should, uh, I mean, how desperately should be teams be, like, trying to get to the bottom? I know I mentioned, like, it's you want to have, be competitive, but, boy, he seems like a like a franchise changer. Yeah, yeah, I think you'd put him in the you know the McDavid Matthews um, uh, area. I mean, you know, you've seen guys that come up and, and the pressure, like Lafreniere in uh, in New York, um, you know, wasn't. And I think it's still going to turn out to be a good NHLer, uh, but I think it's such a rarity to have a guy that can come out and make a difference right away. Whether he could do what McDavid did, or you know, even you know Matthews was a forty-year-old scorer in his first year. Um, it's going to be difficult, but yeah, he looks like one of those those rare gems. But I mean, it's one thing to finish near the bottom, and then you need the uh, the hand of the hockey gods to help you out in the draft lottery too. Ralphie, we always appreciate your time. I know we're closing out uh, 
2022, always awesome. Your contributions to the show. Uh, I'm sure you have big New Year's Eve plans, right? You're going to head down to the square. Party. Maybe? No, I got a I got a game that night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not going to get there till after the second period. <laughs> hey, pal, we wish you all the best in 2023. Uh, same to you, Kipper. You too, Barney. Thanks, Thanks for Alpha. You too, bud. It's Jimmy Ralph. Always fun. You doing New Year's Eve things? I'm not a New Year's Eve guy. No, me either. Not at all. But of course, I played for the Rangers, so you had to kind of uh, check out Times Square once in your life. Did you? Yeah, and it's just I like don't know, one I, big vomit pool. Oh, awful. You know, I told you I lived in Arizona three years. I just never went to the Grand Canyon. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was never one of those guys that, uh, that close. I still didn't do it. So good for you for going once. Uh, you just touched on Connor uh, Bedard, and we've got a few minutes before we go to break. And you just get the sense that, yes, he will be impactful. Yes. Like, right away. Is there a butt coming? No. Well, the butt is, is we've seen the last little while, first overall picks. There's no guarantees, and some may take a little bit of time to come to, mm-hmm. to, to surface, like a Jack Hughes. And then there's others that are struggling, and Lafreniere is one of them who's a healthy scratch. Yeah. First pick overall. Can't find just a, a a sweet spot in the lineup for the New York Rangers. You know this sort of things be- thing becomes defining for a coach. You know, for Gerard Gallant right now, it's like I know how the Rangers are kind of middling right now, but losing and not saying he's lost, but losing a number one overall draft pick, or at least frustrating him, or at least struggling to get the most out of him. You know, whether it's fair or not, that does come back to the coach in the end, does it not? Like, the organization can't be happy that Lafreniere has no. fallen to where he is. No, no, 100%. And like, Gerard Gallant is putting his, you know what, on a on a chopping block here if, in yeah. fact, this thing doesn't turn around for it in, in any way, shape, or form. Um, it's not even like it's Shane Wright and it's seven games into his career. We're year three. Could be great. He could come back and uh, and it could spark something for him. I don't think he's been horrible. Like he's he's managed to he's pick a useful up some player, points. even when he doesn't get points. I think I like him a lot. Do you think it's at the point where they would trade him, or would they fire the coach first? I think the Rangers and I think their fan base probably the last little while have been waiting for maybe some shoe to drop, mm-hmm. and they've got Kako as an option. They've got Lafreniere as an option to to and move. Heedle's decent too. Yeah, but they like him. Yeah, it sounds like they like Heedle a lot more than finding a regular spot for Lafreniere. Wow. And like, you know, he he doesn't get much power play time, and these kids need their looks on the power play. And there's Kreider there, and there's Panarin there, and he just can't find a, a spot there. And they don't like him on the right side. He doesn't look comfortable on the right side. There was some success there yeah. with the kid line during the playoffs. Just trying right? to make with Taco and and uh, Heedle. So the first power play unit is Kreider, Trocheck, Panarin, Zibanejad, Fox. So to get on there, you got to basically say, "All right, we're going to put Trocheck on the bench." Not going to be Kreider, who scored fifty times last year. Not going to be Panarin. Not going to be Zibanejad. Yeah. Not going to be Fox. Yeah. So you got to be better than I don't Trocek. know. I don't know what the 
analytical numbers are, but it just seems to me that the, the star players now, much more even in my era, have no problem sucking up the whole two minutes if they need it. Oh, yeah. On the I, second unit, not, not even on that. I, I Even the stars, teams that I've been involved with, the stars had a sense that you're going to get a minute, a minute it's and 25 20. 75 seconds, yeah. Minute and 20 at the most. But if you're not having success, get the off the ice. Well, and if the puck goes back to your own end and it's been a minute, you don't get another chance to reload and go again. You know, because by the time you set up, you're at a minute yeah. and a half and, or a minute and ten, whatever. But uh, I don't know. It's just it's not even a – you don't even blink an eye now to 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 see guys out there absorbing the full two minutes or even going 220. That's because the breakout is now just go back and drop it for the one guy who can skate. <laughs> just know, everyone blue, else just waits. Pull up a lawn chair at the yeah. blue line. You go get it. Go okay. get it, Mitch. Okay, we're going to take a quick break here, and uh, we'll see if we can hunt down Shane Doan after the break. All right. All right. It's Justin Bourne. It's Nick Kiprios, and you are listening to Real Kipper and Bourne. CJCL Toronto. This is Real Kipper and Bourne on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Also on the show, Gord Stella in our second hour as we try to hunt down Shane Doan. Shane Doan, of course, the general manager of Team Canada's uh, men's national team for the Sp- uh, Spengler Cup. Also former Arizona Coyote. And we'll ask him about uh, the Coyote situation. Mullet Arena. His son plays for Arizona, ASU. That's so cool. Yeah, I know. I see the videos. Right. It's awesome. It is absolutely awesome. And they had dropped uh, Team Canada, of course, dropping a 3-1 decision to Swedish club uh, Orbro. Yeah. The uh, the lineup for that Spengler Cup team, uh, it's one of those, like, remember a guy type of thing. It's like they just, like, see the names, like, oh, yeah, that guy still plays. It's David DeHarnay. There's uh, Daniel Winnick. It's just, like, an interesting mix of people. Sounds like fun. Well, I, Joe Thornton loved it. I know that. Yeah. I mean, what an honor to get a part of Michael Hutchinson's over there. Let's go through the lineup. Let's let's play Remember a Guy here. Kevin Connaughton's over there. Who else we got? Riley Nash, Corey Emerton, Daniel Winnick, Brandon Perlini, David DeHarnay, Tyler Ennis, Colton Sevier. Some players here. Cody Eakin, Brett Connolly. Yeah, so there's. it's an interesting Canadian team. I am fascinating the team with all those talented players. Has gone 0-3. But I'm sure don't yeah. fill us in on that. And uh, uh, goal goal scoring, an issue. Yeah, I think only one forward ended up scoring in those three games, and that's Conley. Really? Yes. Yeesh. Yeah, it's not uh, not going to get it done. Well, okay. We'll uh, we'll get to Shane momentarily. Uh, Tristan's on that, and uh, while you're doing that, that let me tell you about the uh, Samsonov thing. Yeah, okay. I just I got a message that said that, you know, we were talking about Samson of asking for more games. Uh, the, the message I got from someone was that he hadn't asked for more games so much as he asked for the next game because he was bad in Philly. You know, like you have that off game. You're like, look, I just need let's get I got to get back to finding my game. So he asked for the St. Louis game specifically. Uh, shout out yeah. for that message from someone. And that All makes right. some sense to me. All right, Tristan, uh, you got a number to call. Yeah, I, I sent it to you. All right. All right. Check your phone, pal. All right. Uh, 
Yeah, that's always a difficult thing. I mean, a limited number of players available. You got to put together a team at the last second. Uh, chemistry always mm-hmm. the first thought. Yeah, when you're playing teams that have been together for the season. And really no idea how, how it's going to come together. No. Conley, of course, uh, three goals. I always liked him, too. I mean, yeah, I think he was a, a serviceable player. It's always one of those things that uh, people talk about as like a to-do list in your life. Like go over to Switzerland after Christmas, watch the Spangler Cup, enjoy Davos, do some skiing. Sounds like a wonderful trip. I know uh, Andrew Walker's over there right now, uh, you know, former Sportsnet employee. He's uh, soaking it and it seems like a pretty cool experience. So something I'd like to do one day. All right. So uh, it wasn't that Samsonov asked for more games. He just wanted to bounce back off of the tough start against the Philadelphia Flyers. Okay, as promised, uh, Shane Joan, uh, Doan cho- uh, joining us. Hey, Doan, I really appreciate uh, you uh, joining us. I know uh, uh, you're coming off a, a tough loss today, so I, I know it's not the results you wanted, but uh, maybe your thoughts overall on the experience and uh, and what really has transpired with uh, with your Team Canada the last few games. Yeah, obviously that uh, wasn't exactly what any of us had in mind, and that's always the way it goes over here. It's the smallest game, and uh, the fact that it's all one goal games, and unfortunately we're on the wrong side of them. Um, but uh, yeah, that, I think it's, it's hard because it's it's really the reason you play is because you have a chance to win, which is incredible and so exciting. But in order for it to be incredible and so exciting, you have to give up that chance that you might lose, and when you lose, it's no fun. Shane, how do you feel about like the 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 chemistry being a factor with other teams having been together and trying to bring your team together? Well, what are some of the challenges that go into uh, assembling a Team Canada for this sort of competition? Oh well, yeah, that's a that's a huge part of it. It's it's much more difficult, um, and and at the same time, this year was tough. And we had uh, three, four of our the Swiss players that would play defense for us or were injured, so we had to bring over five. Players are more capable of doing it, but you're adjusting to a, a sheet of ice that's 200 by 100 instead of 85. That's the big difference, and it takes you know a day or two to figure that out. And people that are more comfortable, the game is a little bit more. It's funny. Um, everyone thinks that if we made the S bigger, we'd have more goal scoring and gave more room. But I actually think it works the exact opposite. Is the, the games are a little bit lower scoring because you you just end up shooting from too far away and. Um, so that's a that's a big part of it as well. Brett Connolly uh, led your team with three goals, but uh, squeezing out uh, goals from a forward uh, really uh, a huge challenge here. Uh, specialty teams five on five. What stood out uh, with the lack of uh, offense for you? Uh, you know, it's uh, it's it's hard to put your finger on it. It's um, I think that's it's one of the things that that made it difficult. We we actually. I mean, you start going into analytics and looking at all that stuff, and the three game span it doesn't really matter because um, we lost three games. But if you play those games over, you know, I played those same games eight, ten times, and all of a sudden, more than percentage balance of the where you're supposed to be. Um, it's hard. It's, uh, you sometimes end up being on the outside a little bit more than you want in the PRI surface. Mm-hmm. And as you try to figure that out, 
you end up uh, realizing that you, you know, between the dots is always the same and you have to find your way into the inside. It's, it's just like goal scoring on any surface that you have to be inside and get to the middle of the ice. And sometimes it's harder to do that when you're on a bigger surface and you have a little bit, you realize you beat somebody and now you got another seven, eight feet to go. And so that you shoot too soon or you, you think you don't have time. So you shoot before you, you need to, and you're, you know, eight, 10 feet out makes a big difference for a goalie. We're talking to Shane Doan, uh, general manager of Team Canada's men's national team for the Spengler Cup. Uh, you know, Shane, when we when we get guys, uh, especially with your type of pedigree coming out of the National Hockey League, it's just a matter of what you want to do next and uh, get a feel for it and uh, let things settle down. Uh, just maybe talk about your overall experience being the general manager of this, uh, this hockey club and whether or not that really gets your juices flowing again. We can't ever play again. We know that, but uh, was, <laughs> did, did it feel, did it feel like you had that, uh, that vibe and that juice going again? Yeah. You know what? I've been, I've got to do this with, uh, with team Canada a few different times and I enjoy it every time. It's a lot of fun. And, um, I get to do stuff with, with people that I um, I'm good friends with and that I get to the, you know do stuff with them and, and you get to talk hockey and you get to be around the guys and you get to understand the way the game's working and you see the personalities of the new players and it's a lot of fun. There is nothing like playing. Like playing is still the funnest thing to do and I love that and I still do it on Mondays and Thursday nights and have a blast doing it. But um, <laughs> at the same at the same time. Um, getting part of the being part of this was a lot of fun, and this tournament's unique in the fact that you get to bring families and um, guys brought over their parents, guys bring over their kids, and it's really kind of a family time at Christmas and over the holidays, and it's unique and it's in a special place, and it's it's a lot of fun. And unfortunately, the last time we were here, and the last time I was here was uh, for the 2019 one, and that was the one, the the last time that they had the tournament due to COVID, and we won at that time, so um, that was probably a little bit more enjoyable today or the end of it was a little more enjoyable, but um, this one's unique in its own way and you get to be around friends and family over the holidays. So you definitely enjoy it. Well, Shane, the uh, I'm not surprised to hear that you still play. Always had a, a great passion for it. Um, looking at uh, the Arizona Coyotes this year, you know, you're in, still involved there, obviously involved in hockey development with, the, with that club. How would you assess the initial year so far at Mullet Arena as they sort of are in their transition phase to uh, what presumably will be a new facility in Tempe at some point? Yeah, it's something that, uh, you know what, it's a unique experience. Um, it kind of takes you back to a college or, uh, or a junior hockey rink where there's only 4,500, 4,600 people in the building, and it's it's special. It's something that you, you don't get to experience watching an NHL team do that, and when you've when you do, it's it's definitely um, something that's different than playing one of the other buildings. Um, so, to say, as much as it's it's temporary, we're going to be here for a couple of years, three four years, and we got to make the most of it. And I think that the environment that the guys are playing in is is exciting. And when people come into that building, it's it's different than any other one, and we're trying to take advantage of that. And, as a group, we're, we got a group of young guys that are growing and hopefully they can continue to grow. Shane, it, it seems like, uh, you know, Arizona now has been a part of the NHL for such a long time, but there has been this roller coaster of, of stability. <laughs> and I'm just wondering now, uh, does it really feel different to you, uh, Mullet Arena? Is this, ch- is this truly one step back 
to take two forward here? Um, or is there still, you know, the world of uncertainty? Well, I, I think that um, there's there's an element, without a doubt, that it's a step back to take a step forward. And if we can get the building done, obviously I've, <laughs> I've bet my kind of career on the whole fact that it does work in Arizona. And when we when we have a decent team and we're playing well, it does really work there. And um, people can poke fun and, and make fun of, uh, of the Coyotes for lots of reasons. But the, the fan base that has been there through everything has been incredible that they've been willing to stick it out because we've made it as difficult as possible at times through different, all different facets of the, the organization over the last, I guess, 20, 27 years, or I guess it's, uh, well, yeah, almost 27 years. Um, so it's something that we're, we're working at going in the right direction and we're getting in the right direction. And once we do it, you look at a team like Tampa Bay and obviously everyone uses that as an example with what they've done. And you look at Dallas and, and what they're doing and obviously LA's had some success. And I think that we can be in that same category, if not even categories. It's such an incredible place for Canadians to come visit and people from the Northern States come down and it's, uh, have relocated. The city's growing faster than any other city in North America. And it's, uh, it's an incredible place to live. And, I think that if we get everything kind of being compared apples to apples, that Arizona will have a chance to be as, as good a place as any to play hockey. And I'm excited about the future. That's great. So what's the roadmap for building the club, you know, in terms of trying to get back to, you know, you want to win a Stanley Cup. Obviously, that's you. You mentioned winning and that being the priority. You know, I don't know that that's the intent while you're in Mullet Arena. What, what sort of do you see as a, the, the plan for the Coyotes to get where they're trying to go? Well, I think it's a little bit like every team that's probably in the bottom half of the league that you have to figure out a way to get your base built up and and draft well and build up a, a stable of young guys. You look at a, a team like Colorado right now, it seems like it's, it's a, well, obviously we all want to be Colorado. Well, they, they had... They had Eric Johnson as a first-round pick. Then they had our first overall. Well, St. Louis picked him first overall, but then they had Landis Gog was a second overall pick. Matt Duchesne was a third overall pick. Then they had a little another dip, and they had Nathan McKinnon come in, and that whole group right. with Nathan McKinnon and Ranton and, and that group. And then they had another dip when they got Kale McCarr and Bynum and um, uh, the other defenseman, um, whatever they got for from Ottawa. And now you start to see that it's been a span of a long time. So it's not easy to do. And everyone hopes that they can figure it out as quickly as possible. But if you want to win Stanley Cups and you want to be a true contender, I think you have to have elite players. And sometimes that's not fun to get. And when you want to, uh, you know, have a, uh, a feeling of community with your players, you don't necessarily fire sale them every year. And I know Jacob Chickren's <laughs> name's out there, but Shane, you know, part of the reason why, there's still hockey in Arizona is because of players like you who probably could have got traded a thousand times, but you said, no, I want to be here. And, uh, you know, at some point, uh, they're going to have to hold on to their players. Yeah. And, and I agree with that 100%. You, um, obviously it's, uh, the situation with chick has been well documented with everything that's kind of gone on in the past year and a half with him. And, um, you look at Clayton Keller and, and, uh, Lawson Krause and, and Christian Fisher. And those are guys that have been around for five, six, seven years at uh, eight years that have are starting to be guys that are big parts of our team. And, um, and that's where we do have to keep our players. And 
you look at the teams that have continuity from for a while, that's when they start to really mesh. Like you go through what, well, you look at Tampa as a great example. You look at what Tampa did where they have so many of their guys drafted in their system, braised in their system. And when they failed early, they had the patience to stick with them. And now everyone looks like geniuses. And I think Julian there has done an absolutely incredible job. And he's got to be recommended for when Stevie left that, that instinct to come in and say, okay, I'm going to put my stamp on it. But he kind of just came in and added a couple things, did a couple tweaks, but really kind of left the foundation and left the continuity in there. And it paid in it paid dividends. And I think that's, that's sometimes harder to do because it's human instinct to want to come in and, and show you the, you know, make big changes and do things dramatically. And, and sometimes that's not what's, what's needed. And sometimes it's patience truly can be a virtue. Hey, Shane, uh, can't thank you enough for coming on. I know it's a tough loss today and not the results you wanted. You could have easily bailed on on coming on our show today. You didn't because you, you're you as much of a stand-up guy today than you were your whole career. And I uh, uh, want to wish you the very best in 2023. Thanks for doing this. Uh, well, thanks, Kip. I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, there was, there was a moment that I thought about it. Cause, uh, this is, yeah, this, is, this isn't exactly what I, you know. Yes, yes, so we understand. And it's so, frust- it's so frustrating. But thanks, guys, for having me on and enjoy listening to your show. Well, looking forward to so much. many more years uh, with you uh, running hockey clubs, if that's what you choose. Thanks again, Shane Doan. Th- thanks, guys. And no question that I, I think in, in – what I've experienced the last 25 years yeah. in broadcasting, seven, eight out of 10 guys would have not done this. 100%. That's a tough loss today. And uh, it's, it's Team Canada. Yeah. We don't accept, you know, losing or not qualifying for quarterfinals, semifinals, finals. You know, it's just. We know what the culture is like for yeah. Hockey Canada. And you he's at the lose. start of building a managerial career and probably takes that particularly hard. But it's, you know, three games, it's one goal losses. It's, you know, it's tough. So uh, good on him for showing up. He has his whole career. Yep. And uh, he is one of the best. Like They don't get much better than Shane Doan. All right. As we talked about earlier in the show, uh, I wrote an article for the mm-hmm. Toronto Star today. My weekly article came out. Uh, it, it talks uh, about the Toronto Maple Leafs, of course, our focus on our show and my column uh, every week. And this one really tapped into what do we think, JB, going into uh, 2023, wrapping up 2022? Uh, what can we take out of 2022? Yep. And what can we look forward to in 2023? So I had uh, my Twitter feed uh, talk about... Uh, uh, their thoughts or what are their bold predictions. And mm-hmm. uh, for the most part, uh, I'll start it off okay. with you, uh, that this will be the year that the Leafs escape the first round. Believers. Believers all around and believer in Nick Kiprio said this is the year they find a way through. Is, uh, is it as is, is definitive for you or yeah. are you, oh, you're, you're 60, 40, 30, 20, 90, 10? Here's the thing. (laughs) (laughs) Now we really put our uh, neck on the line. I mean, hockey is hockey. And the best team in the league can go up against an Arizona Coyotes or, you know, last night Vegas Anaheim or whatever. And the the favored team has like a 60% chance. So, yeah, I think the Leafs will get through. Here's one thing we know, Kip. They're like 
almost certain to play Tampa Bay in the first round. The Detroit Red Wings are in fourth in the division and not catching them. Florida is way back of both teams. Boston is way up on both teams. They're almost certainly going to play Tampa. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like I think they're going to get I'm out of the first for round. I'm waiting Boston to lose I or know. have a bad two weeks. And that's all it may take for this to be a different conversation. But assuming it's Tampa Bay, I do think, I do think that they'll beat Tampa this time. I know I sound like a fool. They, I do, though. But it's like 52% were, chance and, and I for me. acknowledge that in my article today that they were close. They, they let them off the hook. They let them off the hook. I agree. Just so, I still so see is, John Tavares Tavir scoring in my mind. And Justin what Holmes is the biggest play. difference for you um, thinking that this is the year that they can get over Tampa Bay? So you mentioned in your article that the team defense is significantly better. Yes. You know, and that but, is an element of it. For me, like yeah. they, they're second in the NHL. You noted two point, what did you write here? 2.46 goals against per game. The Bruins, the only team better in the whole NHL. But that's not it for me. What it is, is their star players. The whole thing is built around their star players. Which really is the, the plan for the last five, six years. Right. It is. That's Their star players have to be superstars. And they have to drag their team through. But if you look at the history of the NHL, almost without exception, and I say almost because there are some, but almost without exception, the best players in the world get theirs. They do. And whether it's Wayne Gretzky or Mario Lemieux or Alex Ovechkin or Sidney Crosby or go down the list until you get to Eric Lindros, and then even beyond that, maybe it's Marcel Dion, but they get theirs. This team is going, these players are going to be on teams that go on runs. They're too good. And I just think that there's going to be a year that they have an elevated performance where the Tampa Bay Lightning go, we can't run Nick Perbix out against Mitch Marner and survive. This is the year. Right? <laughs> I did. did I in, in, my, in my article today, I, I did say that I could see a conference final. I don't see enough depth to withstand four rounds mm-hmm. out of their lineup. I, I right, because they're going to ask so much of those guys. And we, I don't know, like, is it, is it Tampa Bay uh, crossover into the Metro for the second round and then maybe face Boston in the third? Is it Boston in the second round? Mm-hmm. But I said that they, they could find themselves in a conference final. I just don't know whether or not after six failed first round that they don't need another lesson somewhere between the second and the third round yeah. or, or a Stanley Cup final loss to, Can, to take them to another level. Can you go from six disappointing rounds to four yeah. great rounds to win a Stanley Cup? Well, or is there a gap year somewhere? Right. And, and that's of course an option, but you know, a lot of it comes down to luck. Like can their star players all be healthy throughout the whole run. But then I look at the Toronto Raptors and to get there, some things have to break your way and whether that's missed shots or whether it's Kawhi's ball, getting the bounce and whether it's uh clay Thompson tearing an ACL and Durant missing games at the right time, you know, you need things to go your way. So all you can do is put yourself in the group of teams who have a chance and the Leafs are going to be in that group of teams. And then they just need the hockey gods to not smite them. For the 6,000th time. 
So we've covered two of them in my article today, which was uh, team defense mm-hmm. and sharing the spotlight. You know I, where I went after that? Finding, so deadline deal sort of thing, finding someone who is, you didn't mention Labushkin, but I thought he was an undervalued asset last year and they found him. Is Kyle now going to be in a situation where he can get bold by the trade deadline or is this where Kyle goes to his strengths which is not bold it's actually the, the crumbs mm-hmm. it's not it's not the the he main entree delicious crumbs it's and the poor crumbs. entrees <laughs> can, can he can he find a few more crumbs here yeah. to to round out the team that he thinks can go deep in the playoffs no, like a Gavrikov. Gavrikov's stock is way too high now because everyone's talking about him as the only guy Gavrikov's who's physical. A, a, he's Ben Sherrod. He's this year's Ben Sherrod. He's a first and a prospect, which oh. has been a... Can, can, can I just say something? Uh, before, it might be off topic here, but that, that Ben Sherrod deal... Not good. It's It could set back Florida for 10 years. Like, you, you, you're, you're giving up... You're saying lottery if, they, if they're pot, lottery ball, lottery, it's like, if 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 that's it, I love that we've got them in the lottery now. And, <laughs> and, and Berard is a Montreal Canadian because you gave him up for Ben Chirot. Yeah, that's a that's an organization game changer. For I wonder, the next like, if you years. if you get that bad bounce, if the ball comes up Florida and they have to hand roll it to Montreal, if the owner immediately says, "I just cannot keep you employed," to the GM, but he, how is that not a fireable offense? You know, it's one of those things where you're like, "I love you as a person, but I can't look at you every day knowing that you probably cost me tens of millions of dollars by not Fort having a superstar." Ben Sherrod. <laughs> I know Ben Sherrod is one of those guys whose stock went way up because he did a thing against Toronto. Okay, so that's what Kyle wants to avoid. Yes, avoid the Sherrod trade. So does he need bold or can he get away with finding a couple more diamonds in the rough? You know, they're pretty darn good right now, aren't they? Like, I don't think they need to go acquire Patrick Kane. Not to mention, a lot comes with getting a guy like Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves. Like, a lot comes with that. Like, Nick Foligno's doing one-on-one sit-downs with Christine Simpson, you know, when he's here. It's like... I I don't see Pat Kane. I don't see Bo Horvat. I don't see Ryan O'Reilly. You don't, eh? I don't. I could be wrong. Yeah. But I get the sense... I get the sense that, that, you know... Who are you knocking off that power play for Pat Kane? Just yeah. tell me who. Right. Where is Tavares going to sit? What's, yeah, where do you find scoring on a guy who doesn't need to be on power play one? And if you do put him on, uh, you do get a guy who is used to being on power play one, how do you make it work with your stars and make them accept less? All right. You know what? We're going to take a quick break and uh, we're going to pick up this conversation. Uh, with Gord Stellick. I think he'd be fascinating uh, to, to listen to. You mentioned uh, Matthew Kniz in here. And we'll get his thoughts and his bold predictions in 2023. It's Gord Stellick after the break. You're listening to Real Kipper and Born. This is Real Kipper and Born on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. You know, JB, we cannot close out 2022 without our next guest. And we've hunted him down. And now we are going to sing him our rehearsed Old Lang Syne. K, 
Skipper and I, acapella. Ready, Gord? Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> Wait, we, we decided we need one more day to practice. Uh, Gord, thanks um, for pausing when Harry met Sally to be on our show. I, I, no, no problem. No, I just, uh, I'm, I'm over. I'm just, uh, Revenge of the Nerds 2 is coming up next, so I only got a couple of minutes. How are you enjoying this break, Gord? Uh, you, you know what? Um, our, my family is in Mexico. So um, I'm enjoying the break. I'm taking it easy. Just uh, played some doubles tennis and avenged defeat yesterday. Chris Tehan, myself, uh, we took down Mark Jasvac and Ward Meek to defeat 6363 Kipper. So all pumped. Do you think next year, if, if you're a good boy and not on the naughty list, they'll let you go to Mexico? Oh, I, it's okay. Don't worry about it. It's fine. It's, uh, it's fine. I, I work to do and stuff, and, and uh, <laughs> it's fine. That's <laughs> all good. Okay. I, I've. <laughs> we uh, we want to pick up a conversation we, we started before the break. I wrote an article for the Toronto Star. I made some bold predictions for 2023. Uh, we do not want to go any further until we hear from you on whether or not the Leafs in 2023 get out of the first round. Kippy, Justin, check out sportsnet.ca, the predictions, and I predicted the Leafs win the Stanley Cup back in September. I just... There, there's no logic to it, no science to it, no analytical breakdown to it. I just felt it's time. So um, that's a gut feeling, and I really liked, I found the last month or whatever period of time encouraging in that prediction. So the answer is yes. And you have based this all along on four particular forwards, uh, the fact that uh, the blue line was good enough for you, that – that Murray and Samsonov would be the answer in that. Where did it stem? Well, keep in mind, I did pick the Winnipeg Jets last year. Okay, so my track record is not great, <laughs> but there's no there's no one one nine hundred El Gordo line that makes money. But I I felt uh, oh the goaltending was a question mark. The, the, the goaltending I I was I, I think I've said before I wasn't skeptical about it, but it was wait and see. I mean I, I that was the boldest move they made in the off season, and certainly you know that's been been more than satisfied. But I, I just I just felt about, okay, uh, time they get that. I mean, every every series has been a bloody deciding game. And at least this time, they didn't save their worst game for Game 7 or, in the case of Columbus, Game 5. So, you know, in some ways, the bounces have to go for you. Um, and in some ways, I just thought about, about the leadership group on the team. And, and yeah, I mean, like the defense, I, I felt, and I heard you guys talking before the break, and I, I really felt that, trade deadline they'd be looking to get uh, a core four defenseman and trade deadline they may be uh, maybe in the goaltender sweepstakes like Mark andre Fleury was last year but there's no reason for the latter and certainly I mean more he got Morgan Riley returning and and man they played their best hockey without him you got a, a kid like Rasmus Sandin I know he's hurt the last couple of games but upping his game a guy like Giordano the veteran side playing his minutes Justin Hall reclaiming his game TJ Brody just being steady and you know Lilligren growing and so just a lot of things. So so a lot of positives have come into fruition. But when I made the prediction, there's no question that they weren't they weren't as complete a team as the, the like like the last two teams who won the Stanley Cup, for example. So Gordo, what do you want to see over the next stretch of hockey from this Toronto Maple Leafs team? It's kind of a weird stretch, right? We said fans said they wouldn't care until the playoffs, but boy, they're kind of teasing around. Uh, you know, they're what are they third in the NHL in points percentage? What do you want to see to make you more confident that this is a team that can go deep in the playoffs? 
Uh, more of the last month, which is a no-brainer, but also just not these valleys anymore. No more crises. Like, they, you know, they've, they've, they've never, except for the All-Canadian Division year, they've never had a regular season, you know, that was really not beget by some some kind of crisis, some kind of losing streak. So I think, you know, that's one. I mean, let, let, let's, it's, hey, don't lose three games in a row. You know, put that as, put that as a reasonable goal for the, for the rest of the way. And I just, uh, I like, to me, They've, you know, every year they were bringing in leaders before, right? They were bringing in Patrick Marlowe. They were bringing in Joe Thornton. They were bringing in Wayne Simmons. They're, you know, they were bringing in veterans. And I kept thinking, well, why do, why does Toronto need to keep bringing in these veterans when they've got this young leadership group that, you know, most of them are wearing A's? And I, and I, and, 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 and Justin, to answer your question, um, I like that they had some adversity. I like that Team Canada lost that first game in the World Juniors. Like, I, I like some adversity along the way. When you're having a when you're having a uh, a regular season and and, and it's uh, it's the playoffs that matter the most and like in the Leaf case and you know it's so something to be thrown your way during the regular season that you weren't expecting and I, and I like the way they responded to it so I know people say wake me up game number eighty three and and there is an element of truth about it but uh, but they've certainly Justin been intrigued and enjoyed the way this I mean this team has showed them something the last month in particular okay so uh, Chikrin's not auditioning for you tonight. No, don't need to make the big trade. Don't need to make the big trade. No, no, don't need to. I mean, like, like that got alleviated with this last month. I mean, when they had the D all gone, I mean, Kyle could have been in a spot that you go 0-4 and you're going, man, you know what? The wheels are falling off and we could be right out of the playoffs before these guys start returning. And at that point, you know, maybe had to make a bolder, bigger move. So given what I believe the asking price will be for Chickering, then no. No, this is, and you know, I heard what you guys were talking about earlier, and, and it is, you, I mean, it is a unique year when you're talking about Horvat and Kane and Taves, and but I think the Peter Forsberg to Nashville trade showed a lot because you were just saying like, you know, who does Patrick Kane take off the power play, for example? And I remember Matt Sundin kind of cited what had Peter Forsberg's experience in Nashville. That you know, it's not only that you, if you're a player of that caliber, it's like you start in a new office on Monday and you, and you got to dominate. Like you, you, you don't, you don't have any kind of onboarding week or get. No, no, we, we just don't want you you're part of the team. You're going to lead the team. You're going to be the difference maker, and in a lot of people's eyes, and 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 that's a lot to ask and a lot for someone to expect of themselves. So, looking at uh, Kyle Dubas's situation, and he's the guy making these decisions. What are your thoughts on him being without an extension, and what is likely to come at the end of this season or before? Why do we know he doesn't have a contract? Like, I, I don't understand everything. Anyway, Why do we know? <laughs> That's a great yeah. question. Why do we yeah, know? Yeah, like seriously. They, they, they tell us nothing, and now we know this. And, I, and, and hey, I, it doesn't make a difference to the players whatsoever. No. Um, there, there used to be that kind of rule. It was an informal rule, and you see it's been violated now that co- coaches got to put in for their own good, that they had to have an extra year, and they never could be lame duck. Um, uh, Kyle could be timing this fab- fabulously. I mean, if he just wins one, if well, I, I think one playoff round would suffice. I'm not sure, but say if he wins two, he all of a sudden's like Mark Shapiro. He goes from a lame duck year to a 10-year contract. Uh, I had someone offer up the other day that they think Kyle may may choose to go somewhere else on his own volition. I right. mean, this gives him. I I have no idea about that or insight, but this gives him the chance to do that. But I. I, hey, I wish he was locked up for eight years. I just don't think it makes any difference. Uh, I, I would think he would look like, like, I'm not saying don't make a trade. I, I'd love to get like a Nick Paul type or a defenseman Nick Paul type or something, you know, something like that, that in the playoffs is a bit of a difference maker. But I don't understand what him, what him 
having a final year of a contract has anything to, to do with anything regarding the trade deadline. I mean, I mean, when, but the, does Brendan think he's going to he's going to make trades solely based on that? And and uh, you know, come on. Is it as black and white as we think it is when it comes to Kyle's extension? Is there any scenario, Gord, for you that he loses in the first round and still gets an extension? Oh, uh, you know, again, it's there's nothing about being fair or unfair. No way, you can't, you can't, right. you can't put this on. You already got the fans saying, "I'll see you at game number 83." You know, you you can't you can't subject them to that. And again, uh, it, it's, it doesn't matter if fairness doesn't come into play. How can you? How can you sell that again? And then you got Austin Matthews as a guy that could be he, he, he's next he's next summer's Matthew Kachuk, and yet you haven't won a playoff round the whole time Austin Matthews has been here. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a situation you just you can't be in. Well, the, this Toronto Maple Leafs team is obviously a fascinating one. The goaltending situation right now is not at risk of becoming Jack Campbell esque last season, but. You know, do you think that this, you know, the couple of crazy hot starts, do you think they, they've got some goaltending to overcome over the next little bit as it sort of regresses back to what it was expected to be? Well, you know, Justin, I mean, you, you make a, that's a really salient point in that, you know, great goaltending, you know, it's a, it's a run. It's magical. And everything else is great because that sets the tone. I mean, you had that Dallas game where the Leafs had no business winning it and they got a shutout. On top of it, you know, that, that you know, mm-hmm. Dallas had dominated early on. And, and that's to your point that all of a sudden, if you start getting ordinary goaltending or substandard goaltending, are there leaks in other places, you know? And, and, and that, that you, don't, you don't find out until uh, later on. I mean, you want your goaltender always to give you a chance to win. That's what you want. And that was Freddie's problem in the playoffs, Freddie Anderson, about just for whatever reason in the critical games, he couldn't deliver it. But I got to hope and believe that maybe, you know, it's, 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 it's hard to expect the goaltending to be as sensational as it's had been by and large, but, um, but you, you got to hope it doesn't go. And actually Jack Campbell played decent in the playoffs last year. I mean, I, I know he didn't play as well the second half as he did the first half, but yeah, if you start, if you, I don't care any, any team that starts getting substandard goaltending, they're in big, big trouble. But I remember, 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 was it Antti Niemi that was getting overscouted when the Hawks won a Stanley Cup? And right. All of a sudden, you know, you know, you can get a little weird about that. But, but there's no question if we, excellent goaltending masks some of those things. Excellent goaltending may be the biggest reason that Kyle didn't have to make that trade four months ago for a, a blue chip D and give up a hell of a lot. Yeah, but we're talking about predominantly three guys, and we include Grin that have worked the first 30-plus games. This isn't Allmark in Boston who's ridiculous. I don't know what his record is. Is like 21-1 and one the He's last... lost a game, I think, right? yeah. And, so, and it's not <laughs> yeah. Jack. It's not Jack like Jack was last year in the first half of the season. This is a team that has found a way to block most shots in these dangerous areas, and their, their, their defense has been absolutely phenomenal. Should we be asking the question more towards can the Leafs continue to defend like this or their goaltending, you know, be subpared? Maybe, maybe that's the bigger question. Can the Leafs continue to be the second best defensive team in the league? Okay. So, uh, and okay. So a couple of different things there. So so the one is, there's no question. Just, just if the goaltending does go South, that's a problem, but you're right. The goaltending, I I still, I still wouldn't be comfortable with Shulgren, but it's been two guys in Murray and Samsonov that are both, it's not just one 
one goaltender. But to your point, Kippy, yeah, this it's like what Barry Trotz did the first year with the Islanders, being dead last in defense and then being first in team defense the next year with basically the same players. And that's what I'm talking about, this leadership group. I, I really think with the injury absences, they bought into a brand of overall. I mean, the Boston Bruins are, are the best example. There's a certain style set by Bergeron and followed by everybody else for the last 15 years. And to me, I've seen more of that from the Leafs of, uh, of late, that, that team defensive side about things. And whether it's blocking shots or making those plays, there's no question. And, and to answer Justin's question, that's, that's what I really hope continues because that's easier one to say than to say, okay, let's keep our goaltender being sensational and not being ordinary. Can the Bruins lose enough that the Leafs could actually claim the division and not have to play an awesome team in the first round? Yeah, yeah, they can. And that's okay. no disrespect. That's, that's no disrespect to the Bruins. I mean, there's still a lot to go. I mean, it's, it's, it's beyond absurd what, what they are doing. I mean, um, we know the last team to have that kind of great season, Tampa Bay, was upset in the first round by Columbus. So it doesn't always you know, mean excellent players but yeah i mean something weird's going to happen you know I, I i know people oh man we're playing the lightning at least they're playing the lightning in the first round so i but you know you, you, you can't get it's like the ottawa senators the leafs got in their head what four to five years when they were the better regular season team and that team really should have won a stanley cup and boston was getting in the leafs had a little bit in the early playoffs and now you can't let tampa bay get in in your head like okay but them bring it on yeah you, you know yeah you're on the verge of having it last year. Yeah, you know, game two. If you kept control like you had in the first period, then you could have been up two nothing in a whole different series. And we know game seven, you really battle them right to the end. So I'm not worried about that. And I, and I think mentally, that's not that's not a good vibe. I, I would I wouldn't think it permeates throughout the team. I would hope not. But I also think there's I I, I don't like things etched in stone right now. I, I I'm I'm going to believe there's some flexibility that could happen as far as playoff seedings. We're talking to Gord Stellick, former Leaf general manager and Leafs Nation pre- and post-game show, getting ready for tonight against the Arizona yep. Coyotes. Uh, Gord, off the top of the show, I, I read out their career stats versus Arizona or Phoenix, 39-55-8-3. I know, I know. This is like, you know, I mean, last year was Vimelka. Remember how well he played? And there's just been, I remember Max, remember Max Domi scored, I think, his first career goal and his dad was there at, at AC, what was then ACC and they played the Leafs early in the season. And yeah, it's been a, it's been a bad, bad place, whether you call it Phoenix or Arizona. This is this, this for whatever reason. And boy, you were talking earlier about the lottery. And I mean, they're, they're not even in the bottom three teams right now. You expected that. Like Chicago, I think, has a, 25% chance on Connor McDuck-Bedard and that. But I, I give Arizona credit. They've been playing some kind of plucky hockey of late, but least, they've had the least number for a while. You think that some of those guys are just playing for trades, you know, like knowing that they're not going to be there? Like you have to find a different motivation when you're not on a team that's playing for the Stanley Cup and they're in a unique situation in that rink is trying to find these sort of different things to play for, I would imagine. Yeah, you know, and that's why, you know, God rest his soul. I just mentioned like... Uh, Working with the Leafs and getting watch, watching Borja Salming play 80 regular season games every year. Now, back then, because there was only 21 teams, we made the playoffs a lot. Or not a lot, but, you know, more than now. But, you know, just how, like, how did he go out and play a Hall of Famer in games that didn't matter? And he did. And he did. You know, each and every game compared to other times when there, you know, the few times when there was a really good team around him. And, yeah, that's, uh, I, I think in Arizona's case, I mean, these guys, and they they know probably scout probably being as as, as uh, scouted a team as anybody in the NHL right now because uh, everyone pretty well everyone is is up for grabs and there's deals to be made and 
you know, you know, certainly if, if they're, hey, if the Leafs look at it, you get a chance to get a, a Michael Bunting. I mean, that, that was, that ended up being a great acquisition by the Leafs a couple of years ago. So uh, I think you're right about that, that guys can play to get greener pastures somewhere else. And hey, one thing they get is ice time in Arizona right now. Big plans, New Year's Eve, Gord. There's, I think there's but a Team what, Canada game, right? There's yeah. Well, there, actually, we we have the Leaf game against Leafs, Colorado. Colorado. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then yeah. and then where? Just uh... I I think there's a I think there's a like a Happy Days telethon thing on, uh, on uh, <laughs> So I'm going to uh, yeah. You know uh, I you know Kippy and, and Justin when you're in the hockey business and, and I'm not with the team anymore, of course. But I mean, yeah, a lot of New Year's Eves. It's funny you're traveling or doing this. Yeah. You're trying to get home and. All these kinds of things. So um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna probably connect with a couple of friends after the game. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just hoping for uh, you know a healthy year ahead for everybody with what we've had uh, uh, three years of or whatever number of years of not not being normal. And uh, I'm hoping we have a great one ahead ahead of for all of us and certainly our listeners included. Very well said. I'll let you get back to when Harry met Sally in the uh, wagon wheel <laughs> coffee table or whatever the hell they talk about in that movie. Yeah, I just got to get my beta tape out of it. It's stuck here. <laughs> Give a knife. Hey, guys, you got a knife? Okay, I'll get it soon. Okay, see you guys. Gordon Seller, host of Leaf pre- and post-shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I I mean, I love Gord, but yeah. don't necessarily agree with him that uh, that they don't have to do something here. And... I'm talking about like trying to think about ways to win a Stanley Cup, not get out of the first round. I thought you were a crumbs guy. Dubas and the crumbs. No, I'm asking you whether or not oh, he okay. needed oh, to. W- would he go big or or be a guy that nibbles around finding the next uh, Labushkin or giving up a third rounder for Luke Shen? The whole thing with Dubas in the past has been he hasn't wanted to do it for guys who don't have term, right? He's done very few pure rentals and the ones he has have not panned out. So if you're going to do a rental, you kind of got to do it now and say, we're going after, we're going after the division. We're going after the Bruins. I just, yeah, I I don't know, Kipper. Like, I feel like they can do okay going for the crumbs. It's just, is there a long track record of guys coming in like big name players and positively like, ingratiating themselves into the team, having success, going on a cup run. I can't think of a ton of guys. I'm sure there are examples, but it seems uncommon. He needs a trade just like Colorado's for a Lekkonen. Do you remember yeah, that trade? There's a good example right there. Yeah. He but needs, you know what? He's below he that level. That trade. Yeah. And he's the guy, well, I mean, he did it for Plakanich, right? That was kind of the one, the one time. But yeah, he, you're right. He needs a guy who's not a power so, play one guy, who kills penalty, can score from the third line. So Boy, Nazem Kadri would be nice. Lekkonen was a guy that Colorado <laughs> traded for, who was not a rental. Mm-hmm. They got to... Or was a rental and was re-signed. Yes, yeah. but... If I'm not mistaken. No, was you're he, right. He had another year and he, he signed during year. this year. Yep. He had another year yep. and then they put him on a long term. So he was guaranteed two cracks. Mm-hmm. So that's the non-rental trade. Yeah. And I'm just looking it up exactly. They gave up uh, Baron. 
who's a first rounder, Colorado's first round defenseman. Right. Yeah. Watched him last night for Montreal. First game of the year. Where's I, his upside? I don't know. Honestly, it's impossible. I, I didn't. I think it's still good. Is it? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I think he yeah. was a highly touted prospect and a world junior guy. And I believe he's doing well in the AHL as a defenseman. I think he's is, got is he not good, up good in point totals. Now? He is now, but I'm saying yes. he has good point totals yes. in the American League but before he's they brought him up. he's got a bright future. And I think there's tremendous upside there. Mm-hmm. And he was a guy that had high pedigree as a prospect. Mm-hmm. I don't know where his upside's going to be. Can he get? He can he become a, a top four Montreal Canadian? Right. And I think the projection is that he can. Mm-hmm. So that's what Kyle's going to have to give up moving forward to go get a guy. That isn't necessarily just a rental for 30 games. Right. You know, I don't know that they that's have crumbs. that exact that's, that's, guy. That's not right. crumbs. Yeah. It's just, yeah, first you got to pinpoint the guy, and you got to find out if they want what you have. Like, it's tough to do more than crumbs, but. I also mentioned uh, in my article Matthew Nyes. Mm-hmm. So what about that as a more than I, crumb edition? I, I said he stays. Stays with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Right, doesn't get traded. Doesn't get traded. I don't. I don't know whether or not he is right now. I, he's of course being discussed by other teams. Right. I just don't know, and I haven't got a sense on whether or not Kyle's got him off uh, uh, the the trade list, or yeah. would he be willing to go that far? My sense is he stays. You know, it's interesting thinking about him. Like we've put him in so many trade talks just only because the Leafs don't have much in the way of assets to move. That to think of him just coming in and seeing if he could help is really tantalizing. You know, as a guy, you know, you're talking about someone below the top six who doesn't have to be on PP1, who can play with energy and finish checks and, you know, maybe shoot the odd one in the net. How many goals would you need from Matthew Nyes to be happy with his output over four rounds? Five, three? See, I don't see it that way. I, I don't go five, three goals. I say... How many hits? Uh, 10, 12, 14 minutes, six. I see minutes. Yeah. I don't see... Sure. Right? Yeah, that, that makes and, sense. And, and I assume that if he's, if he's playing 12 or 14 minutes, he got him in a top six scenario. Yeah, but we don't want him in that scenario here. They don't want him. Maybe they I do. Know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know either. Yeah, but I can I just tell watch you, him shoot one in the net on my Twitter feed. I, I can say that that it's not too often that you have a highly touted prospect come out of college, which this will be the case because it doesn't happen in junior. Right. So it's a college scenario where a potential for a guy to walk in. And see such a wide open space. Oh, yeah. There's a gaping gap gap on the left side. Yeah, come on in, kid. He's 6'3", 210. All we have to really see as a a lock is bunting. Mm -hmm. That's it. I know. And aside from the great Cali Yarncrock. Engvall could be a top legitimate top nine. He could be a healthy scratch. You don't know. So true. You don't know by then. But that's his whole range is third line, fourth line out. So assuming that he doesn't trade for an established 
left winger. Like it's wide open for I, I don't for, think... for Nyes to sign yeah. after his run in Minnesota and step in and say, "Hey, kid, here's ten or twelve minutes. Let's see what you can do." Here's what I see. So I'm with you. I think they want this guy to come in and see what he can do. It's a no acquisition cost guy who can improve your team in theory. Um, at least give him the chance to do it. So I think there's that. I also think that if they're going to do anything that trade, you know, trading futures, they see if they can trade something like a 2025 first, you know, something where they can still pick Dubas doesn't have this contract. They can try to get an asset at the cost of someone else down the road. Like it feels to me like they are going to want their picks over the next couple of years. They're going to want to see what their guys can develop into you know, it's it's tough to see them move in their 2023 first, even for a guy who can help them next year. They haven't they don't have enough top guys in the systems. In the system. It has to be in play, JB. The 2023 pick? Yes. It has to be in play. I guess there's you know you are, price for everything you if you can get something. You're great. close. I also, think his, I also think his contract status is relevant and the contract status of the core is relevant. Like it's now. It has to be now. And you're able to mortgage some of the future to be the best now you can be. You look what Tampa Bay's done. You know, we joke every year about their ability to find guys and the right guys who come in. Nick Paul comes in, he's the right guy. And Brandon Hagel now looks like he's the right guy for them. And their ability to find the right guy. So... Yeah, it's in play if you can find the right guy. Brandon Hangel is two firsts. I, the Lightning are in a suck in like five years. I know. Like the way that Chicago has sucks now after their run. Takes some time for the pain to come. But it comes. Well, we we spoke of Florida uh, earlier on the show. Like, think about Florida going from like a top team in the regular season last year. A top team. The top team. First. Uh, 120 points. Yeah. Scary that they went from the top team to the point where you don't even envision asking Montreal for protect lottery protected. You, it's not even a thought in your mind when you trade your first rounder for Ben Sherrod that you will ever need to protect that pick. No, because you're going to be in playoffs at worst. So the next you go year. from the top team during the regular season to quite possibly missing the playoffs this year, and I don't think they have a first rounder in the next three years. Is that right? I happen to be on think, the page to check that. No first next year. No first the year after. No first the year after. Also, no second in twenty four. Okay. Good luck. So they rebuilding. Have, in terms of first and second rounders over the next three years, they have. Two second rounders. <laughs> okay, well, hey, if you, you're a Leafs fan, hey, at least they're not a huge hey, threat you, down the road. You're hoping your team owner does not pay attention. Right. Don't check capfriendly.com slash team slash Panthers. Think about that rebuild if they miss the playoffs. I just, you know, I, I don't know if your thoughts on the offseason moves they made have changed at all, but my thoughts have changed in w- what a disrespect for Mackenzie Weger. The whole thing. Weger's good. He's a good hockey player. And they were just like, throw that, him in. That, that killed them. Weger killed them. They got no D. Got no D. You know how scary it is? You can't ask Matthew Kachuk to do any more. He's been wonderful for them. They're getting everything they and thought they, they could have got. stink. 
and he is squeezing everything out of his game. Got and it still doesn't matter. There you go. They're playing Mark Stahl, Josh Mahura, Matt Kierstead, Gustav Forsling. Like, I know they got Ekblad and Montour's playing above his expectations as well, but man. You know, I love Gord Stellick, but the other thing that he said that I do not agree on is when he said the comparable of a Boston season to Tampa Bay's when they lost in the first round to Columbus. Mm hmm. Like that Boston could roll in and see, get surprised by a team? Yes. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not saying it can't happen, but it's not a comparable to a team that was still learning how to win. Man, you've got one of the, the greatest uh, modern-day players in history on 200 feet and knowing how to win in Patrice Bergeron. That, to me, is a difference maker on why I don't expect – Boston to fall off the face of the earth uh, in the playoffs. And they are a balanced team. They're gettable, though, Kip. They're gettable. Where right now? I know. I mean, I look at that Boston Bruins team, and I don't think, you know, what an unstoppable force. I'm trying to think, like, everything has gone right so far. You know, they've gotten a lot out of Pavel Zaka and Jake DeBrusque. And Nick Felino's been good. Like, are we sure those guys are going to continue to be good? That that's an excellent question, but they are balanced right now. And I'm telling you right now, the biggest game changer is that Hampus Lindholm that trade. Is, that is the biggest game changer, no doubt. And how? And, and it it's just completely given them a different look beyond having the weight of the world on a young player like Charlie McAvoy's shoulders Mm -hmm. and how they got away with, can can you pull up that trade again that Boston made? There was a first rounder involved, but outside of that, how you were able to get this player at his age, 27. I got it. And then put him on a contract for six point. $5 $5 million is one of the bigger trade deadline steals in the last 10 years for me. Anaheim receives a 2022 first, uh, second round picks in 2023 and 24. Urho Vakinainen and John Moore. So a first and two seconds, a couple of prospects. And he resigned for 6'5. Yeah. And. It's a big pay, but he's obviously big worth pay. It. Yeah, it's nothing. Darnell also, Nurse is also, making Darnell Nurse the Ducks is making, retained fifty percent on that trade, so they got him cheap last year. Yeah, yeah, and then they're getting him cheap now at six and a half. Right. When I think of Darnell Nurse making nine point two five for sure, and who, then this who guy would you rather have at the same dollar amount, probably Lindholm. I don't know. Tough call, right? And that that to me, and 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 there wasn't even that much action on him. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I found out. Yeah. There wasn't a ton of teams. Hmm. But you know what this is? This is the East sleeping on the West. That's why there wasn't that much action on Lindholm, is because general managers go to bed at 11 o'clock. Don't watch him enough. Don't know him enough. At least in the East. Yeah. They didn't watch enough. He's, they slept through Lindholm being available last year.
and Huge Boston did not. Huge someone good out west. And Boston well, did not. Right. Um, you and, know and what then, I was thinking about? Go ahead. And then just Allmark. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. He's 21 and 1 or something ridiculous. It's having a great year. Like, I don't know. I mean, is that going to continue? That's another place where it's like, I don't think he can continue to be this good. Maybe he can. We'll see. You don't like to build anything on one player being awesome and it being your goalie, I don't think. But, yeah, sure, nice to have that goaltending. So when you were talking about all this and the way that the Leafs are going, I was thinking about that Tampa Bay uh, comparable. They lose to Columbus. Earlier in the show, Shane Doan talked about Phoenix and how some teams have stayed with it and been patient, and that's hard, and sometimes that's the right thing to do. And Tampa stayed with it after that loss, right? Kept the core together by and large. I can't, you know, we talked about the Leafs doing it. I can't help but see that comparable where you stay with it, you're patient, everyone says blow it up, blow it up, and you keep banging that battering ram against yeah. the door until it gets through. Yeah, And you can be rewarded for that. Well, listen... Kyle's already being rewarded because Willie has taken that group to the next level. And if you had traded him when everyone asked you to trade him two years ago, one year ago, you probably don't get the value if he's a 90-point guy now. Well, you got to pay him now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> those are issues down the road, and we'll get yeah. into that. We got one more show tomorrow uh, before uh, we break again for, for New Year's, mm-hmm. and we will continue this uh, this conversation on on what we see towards 2023 and I'll I'll sit on uh, your thoughts on on Willie Austin short term long term where we see that playing out yeah you're mentioned in your piece the Willie Nylander thing is interesting that let's say he doesn't sign and you go into the season contracts are tight but for the most part Willie Nylander and again that's a, it's a hell of a goal in overtime, yeah. albeit the skills competition. But uh, to be able to steal the puck off of a Tarasenko and go in there with that finish, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the that's the world Kyle envisioned when he was quoted, what, five, six years ago. We can and we will yeah. sign all these players. Great quote, but I don't think he meant to say it in a way that put him in a position where if, you, if he didn't, it sure would have looked bad, right? Like... You can't say we can and we will and then not do it. So kind of well, he, himself in a but corner. He also followed it up with uh, he's not trading Willie Nylander. Yeah. That was abundantly clear. He didn't sign him to trade him, and he's he's they love him. He's in our plans. Yeah. We see him as a game breaker, and now it's really coming to fruition with uh, what should be a career year for Willie Nylander and the Toronto Maple Leafs. So tonight they play Arizona. Here's my question to you. Is there anything they can do positively that can change your opinion of this team? Because to me, if they go out and they're dogs against Arizona, maybe you can draw some conclusions. Maybe you can pull something out of it. Like if they go out there and just mop Arizona 4-1 tonight, do you feel, can you learn anything? Yeah. This that, time of year, can you learn yeah, anything, period? I, I, I think just you just build chips. You know, if you're a poker player, this is what you're doing. You're just stocking chips. and. Mm-hmm. Be, like be pros. Person. Just be pros and, and add another chip to your pile. Isn't that that's a great one? You're a professional athlete. You're right? supposed to be the better team. And if go be a pro, and, go and, do your and job. And if you do lose lose to a, 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 a Vermelka, 
Vegmelka, uh, yeah. Vegmelka is standing on your head. <laughs> What's his name? <laughs> Let's just keep trying. Vegmelka, I think. Veggie, sure, veggie, veggie man. It is Let the no veggie one. man stand on his head. Yeah. And, and anybody can accept that uh, a goaltender could... Can, can win a game on his own. It's like you and I, you know, we're pros. We come in here on December we 29th are. and we do our job. Just show up and perform. And we had great pros on our show today. Shout out Donor. Jimmy, Ralph, Ralph, Shane Doan from Switzerland. And of course, our very own Gord Stelectricity. Stelic. And of course, JB, you're the, you're, you're the, you're the pro here today. <laughs> we, we pulled As up, always. Buddy. All right. Who's back there? Tristan. Thanks, man. Great work today. Didn't screw anything up. <laughs> that's the whole standard of great. That's that's our bar. <laughs> you don't screw up. It's a great day on the Real Kipper and Born Show. And all of you for sticking around and sticking around all year. We got one more tomorrow. We want you on board for that one as well as we wrap up 2022 and continue our bold predictions going into 2023. Thanks for listening, and we're back tomorrow.